peace. This is DJ Johnny Juice of Public Enemy and the Odyssey giving a super big shout out to Valerie Denise Jones in the place to be. This show is sponsored by MyOliveLeaf.biz, MyOliveLeaf.biz, and The Hurricane Report, merchandise, and more. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. When you get beat up by the police, man, you do everything, and you know the law better than anybody. Man, I have PTSD, man. I was diagnosed with that, man. Just like, you know, this, uh, t- something like this never leaves you, you know? Right, right. I understand, man, because right after that happened to me, man, the pol- I saw the police. I just started running on site. You know, that I had to go through a lot, man. I had a fight with the police in 1990. Uh, I, I was 30 years old. And uh, we had a good fight. And man up, man. I'm tired of hearing these punk boys whining, man. Okay, I'm like the judge. Shit happens, man. You don't run from the police, bro. I heard a brother tell me he run from the police. He got PTSD, man. Come on, man. Okay, that's what I'm. That's what the judge talking about, man. These Negroes sound like punk cowards, man. Okay? Man up, man. Okay? I'm just talking right about these right, 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 man. They sound like some punk hey, ass cowards, man. Oh, oh no, we ain't no, I ain't no, we ain't no, we ain't no punk ass cowards. We ain't no punk ass cowards though. We ain't no cowards at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll be the first nigga knocked out by the police. Talking about that shit. I don't shit. Been fight the police, bro. I don't been fight the police. You'll you, you be, you be the first one knocked out. Okay. Okay. Knock your ass out. I ain't got no damn police. I ain't got no uh crime talking about I got some PTSD. Okay? I got a record, man, for fighting the police, bro. Okay? And folk law in Florida, bro. Yeah, we fall first. Yeah, we okay. fall first, homie. We fall first, homie, and then I started running. I whooped their ass first. That's why I'm still right, alive. I fought, I fought for good. mine. I did, too. Yes. That's good. Yeah. I did, too. I started running after I whooped their ass because I didn't want no more fight. No, I stood there and fight, bro. They put a chokehold on me. I went to sleep. But I still yeah, but you should have been calling people punks and shit, man. You can't be hey, calling bro, people punks and they bro, went through stuff, bro. Now, man, respect now, man, respect the game because ain't no I'm real person going through that, man. Y'all soft, man. Now, man, now, man, now, bro, yo ass, yo ass is smart at the mouth, and a nigga getting your ass hey, to seen your weak hey, ass, bro. nigga. Hey, yeah, Mister Wet, Mister Wet. Hey, man, I ain't the police, but I beat your ass. Your feelings hurt. Hey, bro, I I ain't the police, but I beat your ass. And I bet you that. I bet you that. Talking all this shit. How you niggas do? How you niggas do? Talking all this shit. You ready your ass against Your feelings hurt, man. Your feelings hurt, man. God bless you, bro. Your feelings hurt, man. Where's the love? Hey, I know you the Use a hoe. I'm trying to chop y'all. I'm chopping y'all. Oh my up, God. Love, no, you and y'all, you ain't tough enough shit. Tough love, ass nigga disrespecting folks. You gonna get on the radio talking about you got PSAD, bro? Man up, bro. That's all I'm saying, man. I know y'all. Man, that, how you know you ain't manned up? I didn't tell you. How you know you ain't manned up? But I got a hands whooping for you. You should ask yourself, him. You should bro. ask him. You should ask, ask him if he fought first before you assume, though, brother. Ask first. Hey, my man. Hey, number one. I see most shit with four y'all in the world, man. I'm 70 years old, bro. All right? But, yeah, and it still happens. So that means everything we've been through ain't going to... Everything we've been been through ain't going to goddamn thing. All these years we've been getting our ass whooped. Hey, see how soft y'all get mad? I'm getting y'all fucked up, bro. Ali, Ali, don't take Ali, don't worry about the, the white man been whooping his ass. He's 70 years old, bro. Don't take it personal, man. That's all, man. 
Your feelings may sound like Mr. West got a little dementia from his 70 yeah. years. <laughs> hey, it's all good, man. Hey, see, it's all in tough love, man. I just want everybody to be tough, man. You know what I'm saying? Hey, don't take it personal, fellas. I love y'all, man. I love my young warriors, man. That's all I'm saying. But then, if you love us, if you love us, if you love us, ask us if we fought first before you assume we some punks. I'm just saying, you, you, y'all talking about y'all got PSG and all that, man. That wasn't talking about. What that got to do with anything? What that got to do with anything? If we fought or not? That's this great fighters. This great fighters that got PSG too. It's all good, bro. All in the struggle, man. I know y'all, man. Okay, don't take it personal, man. We at war, man. I ain't at war with y'all. I'm at war with these white devils, man. Well, you call us a whole bunch of punks. It's hard to ask all the Hey, bro, man, don't take this shit personal, man. Let it go. No, you can't let it go. If a police shoot me, I'm not going to let it go. So you you took some shots at us. Well, let it go, bro. Ali, 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 and Mr. West on the real. Ali, Ali, you real. I've been knowing you for a long time, Mr. West. When you yeah, say let yeah. it go after you said that, yeah. that I yeah, know, yeah. again, at, at 70, you just doing radio talk because a, a person can't put his hands on you. So right now you're you right. talking shit in a safe place. So that's why you I'm say, real. hey, let it go, man. And, and, and you probably feel that way deep down in your heart that somebody's soft because you said it out your mouth. But all I yeah. ask you to do is don't do that. Because somebody like me who don't got PTSD, or I might got PTSD. Yeah. If you said that right. to my face, I'm going to slap the shit out you, bro. Hey, bro, you now there you go. Say it by I'm going to slap you your ass. You ain't going to do nothing but talk, man. God bless you, bro. All right? All right. Oh. Now you talking about putting your well, ass on me. I ain't your enemy. Oh. Man. Your enemy is the white man. I respect your nah, you my enemy. You you my enemy respect when you call me out my name man. and don't know me because you on the radio. Yeah, huh? bro. Hey, 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 guys, 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 guys. Y'all call life. I call it shit. Shit happens. Everybody has a different perspective, a different background. No one has the right to say, "Well, you punks and all that." Man, just let that go because everybody's gone through something. There's no situation is greater than the other situation. It is what it is. Thank you. It just the key thing is. Being able to survive, period. Radio, DJ, One Nation, One Station. All right, guys, I am back. Welcome, welcome. Right now, you're listening to the voice of Valerie Denise Jones. Please join me on Instagram, Instagram at Valerie Denise Jones, and also Miss MS Valerie Denise Jones. Let's do some housekeeping. Go on and hit that like button. Hit the like button, subscribe, and also sign up for the alerts. Check to see if you're still signed up for the alerts because yeah, some goofy stuff has been going on behind the scenes. All right. So I was out for a bit. Wasn't feeling very well after my big move, but I am back, back here to give you a snippet of a few things that we share on Patreon. I told you guys that I share all the outlandish behind the scenes, you know, um, the sensitive content, all that stuff on Patreon, patreon.com slash Valerie Denise Jones, patreon.com slash Valerie Denise Jones. All right. So this audio, this audio features Nappy Roots, very own, our prophet, AKA Ryan Prophet also 
Oh my gosh, Chairman, Chairman Fred Hampton and Joshua Brown. Also, there were a slew of other callers who called in. Big shout out to Wes, Philo the Great, Brother Bernard, uh, Ali, Ali, Ali. I can't remember everybody's name, so forgive me. Um, also, please, big shout out to those of you who support this channel. Thank you, thank you so much for your Cash App. Cash App at Valerie Denise Jones. Nope, that's wrong. Cash App, dollar sign. Valerie Denise, cash app, dollar sign, Valerie Denise. We appreciate your support because we could not do this without you. So all your love gifts are appreciated. All right. So guys, let's get this party started. Here we go. Hi, Ryan. How are you? All right. All right. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am blessed and favored. So happy that you are here with us today. So, yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah. Thanks for having me as well. I tried to kick it off, but as I mentioned, I, I can't do it any justice. So uh, let us know a few things that I didn't introduce uh, during the intro. Uh, well, I mean, just again, what you said, I was, I'm originally from Oakland, California. Uh, I'm raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I was fortunate to be raised in a two-parent home. Parents been married over maybe 44, 45 years or so now. Uh, I have an older brother, a younger sister, uh, all college-educated, Whatnot, I was fortunate to make it to college. I uh, ended up going to college in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, at University of Western Kentucky, and uh, hooked up with five other brothers that had the same dream of mine, and that's kind of, you know, just making some great music. Uh, we all linked up because, uh, you know, at that time, no one had came out as rap hip-hop artists from the state of Kentucky, so we all linked up together and felt that was the, the strongest way we would all be able to kind of accomplish our dreams. Uh, we were signed in 98, didn't come out till 2002. Uh, and on our first album, we dropped a single called All In All. Our second album was uh, a single that uh, I actually wrote called Poe Folks. It's two times Grammy nominated. That was the first song that uh, the world heard Anthony Hamilton. Uh, very proud of, uh, of that guy. And, uh, you know, we sold a few million albums on our first album. My book is called uh, From Gramps to Grammys. Uh, Ryan Prophet from Gramps to Grammys. You can get it at any platform, you know, Barnes and Nobles. Go to Amazon, in fact, uh, if you like. Uh, but ultimately, um, it's a it's a personal story about me and my life. Um, talking about a child that's always had hopes and dreams to, you know, do some major things, and you know, and was instilled that, you know, my mother and father they always told me that I really had a major purpose in life in some ways that uh, that I would help. Uh, others. So, uh, you know, you know, I'll tell you in the beginning of the story, my, my mother used to watch Ryan's Hope, which was a soap opera as a kid. And uh, me and her used to watch that all the time. And I used to see how much uh, she really enjoyed and it captured her. Uh, and I was like, wow, you know, I really, I really like the way she's just entertained by this. And that kind of drew me to me wanting to be on TV myself. Uh, with that, you know, she told me a number of years later that I was actually named uh, after Ryan's Hope. Um, so uh, with that being said, you know, I'll tell you about story, you know, uh, uh, in the early, you know, late 70s or whatnot. I came up in the household. Uh, my, my, my father was educated. My mother was educated. But, you know, they were immersed in uh, a culture uh, where, you know, the drugs hit really hard, particularly in Oakland, California. 
And so they were a part of that scene. So there was some substance use uh, involved in the household, as well as, you know, just everywhere in my community. Uh, with that being said, I, I tell you about some of the things that I've seen, uh, you know, some of the things that I lived through and my experiences. And more importantly, you know, the way I was able to maneuver and somehow be able to accomplish, you know, my, my dreams and goals and uh, even help a lot of people along the way in becoming, you know, a multi-platinum, two-time Grammy-nominated artist. So I tell you about different school uh, situations uh, when cocaine uh, in particular hit uh, Oakland, California. It, it wasn't. It was normal to see kids be taken out of class by particularly white uh, teachers and they would disappear or be taken home and, uh, you know, they would not come back to the school. You know, things would break down because teachers were asking kids, you know, to, to tell on their parents about this drug use that was going on. Or maybe the kid, you know, may have been going to, to school and in the same clothes every day and they were actually looking out in good faith. In, in some respect, uh, I also talk about um, you know you know the Black Panthers with my uh, my father. He was originally from uh, in Kentucky, but he moved to Louisville. Um, excuse me, he moved to Oakland, California, and that's where he met my mother. But uh, he would tell me about stories on how he would see the Black Panthers uh, uh, throughout that time uh, in the early seventies and whatnot. And he said, you know, I remember him telling me that it actually made him feel strong. It made him feel uh, empowered to a certain degree just to see brothers uh, that was going around that was actually sticking up uh, for for other uh, people. Uh, so I talk about that. I talk about, you know, being able to make it to college, being fortunate to come out of a two-parent home, uh, you know, even though there were some things that was going on. Uh, initially, perhaps my uh, my parents had some 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 uh, you know a couple of bad habits or whatnot. Uh, how they were able to clean up their thing and and really be a great example for us. And no matter what they went through, they were able to stay together for you know like I said over forty years now and get us all three to college. And you know, uh, you know me, you know being coming from. You know, hitting the streets myself once I head to Kentucky, uh, I actually start uh, being a part of, uh, you know, the street life and, and being a part of that. But I was lucky and fortunate uh, that I still did have a support system uh, in which I could go home to my family and they still supported me and kept me on the right track, even though I was I was doing all the wrong things. So uh, fortunately, you know, I, you know, I made it out of that and. I went from Grams to Grammys, literally. But why did the cops? Uh, yeah, why did, why did they stop you in the first place? Uh, well, they they had a roadblock. I was coming back from a show, and I had uh, 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 my partner. He was driving. It was a roadblock. They stopped us, uh, and they asked, you know, had he been drinking? He said he had a beer or whatnot. And they said, okay, we'll pull right over there. Uh, so we put over to the side of the road. Uh, the, the officer came and got my partner out of the car, uh, blew him, and they said, oh, well, he blew over. He's going for a DUI. So what uh, happens? Waiting for him. and they, I'm waiting. Uh, the officer comes and says, uh, uh, will you step out, please? Uh, so I just wanted to let him know, hey, man, I'm all profited in Nappy Roots, man. I just got done from a show. I've been doing some drinking and whatnot. He said, you just step out of the car, sir. So I step out of the car, and uh, next thing I know, I'm getting handcuffed. They put the hand, uh, handcuffs on me. 
Uh, my hands were behind my back. And uh, he stepped away. And then the other officer pulls out his shotgun, uh, his, his uh, little electrocuting gun. They call it taser or whatever. And he says, uh, and he's actually, I think, talking inside his, his microphone and said, uh, uh, Mr. Anthony, if you don't comply, I'm going to have to tase you. Yeah. And I'm like, my hands are behind my back, and I'm looking at him like, are you crazy? Like, why are you doing this? Like, what are you talking about? And everything I respond to, he said, and he's talking louder on his mic or something. And I'm just looking at him. He's like, well, if you don't comply, I'm going to have to tase you, Mr. Anthony. I'm like, what are you talking about? Why are you doing this? Next thing you know, he shot me. I feel my hands behind my back. I'm on the ground. And then I feel another taste. I'm on the ground. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is going on? And in my head, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I just got to keep, I got to just stay alive. I just got to stay alive. They tased me again. At this time, I just like, I just remember thinking, oh, my gosh, they treat me like a slave. I'm about to die. And I couldn't take any more. I said, fuck it. I'm dead. So I, I, I went out. The next thing that I remember, either I, I came to after that or it was when the officer grabbed me by my arm and I was being dragged. And next thing I, I know, I'm, I'm being beaten, being put into a cop car. And then they'd start tasing me and spraying, pepper spraying me all over again. I'm assuming you think, what, this is racial? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely racial. I mean, the racial profiling, I mean, even when they locked me up, we was, uh, it was no, only brothers that they locked up at night. Are you going to sue? Excuse me? Are you going to sue? Oh, oh man, they, man, uh, man, they have to pay for this. I, I, everybody, it's not even just about me. Everybody, I, I can only imagine how many people has went through this and they, they, they don't, they never had a voice. This Eve is bigger than me. Oh, my God, Ryan, my heart goes out to you. Um, I've listened to that a few times today, and it doesn't get any easier. Um, a couple things that stood out. Uh, why did you compare yourself to a slave as opposed to anything else? Well, ultimately, you know, when you're doing a, a, like a TMZ interview, you realize you only have about, 35 seconds to get out what you want to get out. So what I didn't uh, say on there is that they actually made me strip all my clothes off. So I was, what you have is me stripped down into my boxers and my undershirt with my jewelry on. So when they got me out of the car, again, I was a passenger. So no matter if I was drinking or not, it doesn't matter. I was a passenger. So, once they find out who they was, they felt like they needed to dehumanize me and, you know, uh, you know, made an attempt on my life. But they first started by making me take off all of my clothes, take off my hat, take off my jacket, take off my shoes, take off my socks, uh, uh, take off my pants. They did all this and then told me to, and then handcuffed me and told me to turn around. So the reason why I compared myself to being a slave because that's the way that I felt in the last seconds of what I thought was my life is because I was on the side of the highway, basically naked, barefoot on the highway. So that's the part that uh, many people don't know. I was stripped naked that night. How does, how does it make you feel when uh, a non-black asks you, do you think that you were being profiled? Like, was it racial profiling? I mean, what, what does that well, make you mentally? In, 
in in that sense, I understand that he's doing the job, whether he feels this way or that way. He's just asking uh, a question. Um, in in this case, whether it's racial profiling or not, this is not what this is about. This is about the abuse that I went under, uh, all because I have a name and I was just a passenger. Hmm. I, I wish I had more time to uh, break that down, what you just said, um, because I, I'm trying to get an understanding why. Well, you do. They, um, you, you do. Uh, I, I'm, I guess I can do that uh, extra 50 min- 15 minutes is, is no problem. Why you versus versus anything else? What, what do you think happened? Uh, well, in this particular instance, it could have been someone else, but this happened to be personal because once they had me in uh, in jail and we were getting fingerprinted, uh, I was, you know, I could barely, you know, stand up and walk myself. But uh, one of the guys that were by, behind me said, wow, I knew one of you guys was in here um, because I heard it. And I was like, what are you talking about? You knew one of us was in here. He said, because I heard over the uh, the intercom system, you know, inside the car, the radio, that uh, one of the police officers said, yeah, we got one of those nappy root boys. The Kentucky State mm-hmm. Police, you have a lot of races, uh, that, and they're involved uh, across, excuse me? No, keep continue. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. So in Kentucky, you have uh, a lot of racist cops, particularly in the Kentucky State Police. Um, they integrate, you know, there are some places in Kentucky, uh, some small counties and, and cities that you just don't want to go to. Uh, and those people, they, they may end up going to the Army, Navy, where, you know, particularly the Army, and they come back and they join the police uh, force, and they were born racist. And uh, so when you catch, you know, young black brothers that's successful out there, uh, again, you know, I'm from the city of Louisville, but raised, uh, but went to school in Bowling Green, Kentucky, which is about an hour and a half away. So we would ride this highway. I mean, we've done been riding up and down this highway for many years. Uh, with that being said, we have a state holiday, so we're very, uh, very accomplished and appreciated and well celebrated with, for anybody in Kentucky. Uh, you know, we rank amongst some of the probably the most some of the most famous people there. With that being said, when uh, some people encounter, particularly these uh, police encountered me, uh, you know, I don't know if they had already had it planned at some point that they had it out uh, and they couldn't wait to uh, pull over uh, uh, someone from Nappy Roots because some other uh, members in the past years had been pulled over at times and whatnot, uh, but nothing ever happened to this uh, to this extent. So, um, you know, there is a, a sense of uh, a jealousy and just downright racist people that don't like to see young black successful brothers. Unfortunately, the way the laws are set up, uh, we don't have that option. They have all the power. So uh, many people don't realize um, the initial reaction um, is, oh, well, he had to do something or she had to do something. And uh, many people don't realize just being black is enough. And sometimes, you know, that white racist officer just feels like taking somebody's lives or feel like mistreating them. They can get away with it because that's why they have, uh, you know, laws like qualified immunity. 
they have uh, these unions that, you know, if they do something, they'll get their jobs back. So, again, I was put in a situation where there wasn't anything that I could do because I'm at their, at the, in their hands. And what, what can I do? Because anything they write up is going to be said to be true for, for the most part amongst jurors, especially when you're in a uh, mainly white community. You just, I was in an old country town and just happened to uh, uh, be doing a show, you know, going to host and, you know, do what I do and going back to where I come from. But I had forgot, you know, this particular area of Kentucky is uh, very racist and, you know, you, you got to be very weary. I, I should have declined the uh, appointment. So, you find yourself in situations that you actually have no control over. They have all the control. There's nothing that I could do. And that's one of the worst things that, 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 uh, that has affected me. The fact that these people could violate me in this way. And I had no way of defending myself. So after they made me strip and then they handcuffed me behind my back, turning around when uh, they shoot me and I fall to the ground. I'm handcuffed behind my back and the records show that I was tased a total of 15 times and I was taken to two locations. I was, um, I was hogtied. So can you imagine being tased 15 times? I survived, obviously. Thank God. But being, if for those that don't know what being hogtied is, that means your hands are tied behind your back and you're handcuffed and your handcuffs are connected to your ankles. So basically you flip backwards. So I felt like I was just like some, some smoking pig and just waiting for them to stop. And so again, they're in total control. And when something like that happens to you, that's what you hate the most because you have absolutely no power and nothing to do to protect yourself. Um, three quick questions. I just took um, text, Chairman Fred, because um, I know he said he would call in around 4.30. Um, when this was happening to you, what, where was the driver? Where is, where, was he experiencing the uh, same? They had uh, already drove him in a patrol car uh, to, drive, uh, okay. to jail. So I was left so alone on the side of the road these police officers and is there like any body cam any video footage and were you able to sue uh yes again uh kentucky is a very uh uh particularly some some places very racist so they never produced a video but mind you i said it was at a roadblock so you have all these police cars and they bring me in between two police cars one uh you know directly behind me and one in front of me uh, so there was obviously camera, uh, but no one produced the video at all. And again, this was a road block, uh, a road stop. So, uh, all cameras, uh, were there, but, um, I ended up having to go through four or five different lawyers, all of them trying to railroad me, um, into pleading guilty to assaulting the officer. Because what happens oh is God. when you're police, when you a police brutality victim, they give you all these misdemeanors and they throw a felony on you where you're looking at three to five years in jail. And so if you fight against it, then you may be looking at five years. Well, um, these lawyers 
because they realized that I would be due uh, such a low, uh, a high lawsuit, and they didn't want to bring this type of exposure. Even though they were supposed to be fighting with me, there's always a good old boy network uh, uh, of racism, just like we have across the whole world on the way that we're treated. So it's just a matter of just a couple calls being made, and you think you're hiring somebody in your best interest, but when you have such a uh, such a such a uh, incredible case of a person life being taken and then you put on top that he's a celebrity um they put some uh some good roadblocks into me and and, and they did a really good job because obviously i did it i didn't have i don't have the amount of money to fight the kentucky justice system uh you know no one does so what they do is they have you go and hire these different lawyers, make you liquidate everything until you virtually, you, you know, you, you don't have much at all. And so that's the way that they take your power. They extend the case and whatnot. So you have people working with them, people making deals, and uh, they got me. <laughs> so what happened is it went to grand jury, and, again, they put you with, you know, where you're facing five years. I refuse to uh, – agree and the grand jury found it was no true bill that i indeed did not assault the officers so now you have a young man that's been tased 15 times had his nose broke uh is bloody from head to toe and now you're only facing misdemeanors and there is nothing you can say that can justify a young man being tased 15 times with a broken nose and bloody from head to toe that he did with a misdemeanor charge. Would you agree? I totally agree, yeah. And I was wondering how you said that he was he had called in and he was acting out as if you were attacking him and he was, you know, um, what they say now, fear, he feared for his life. How, how did that yeah. play in front of the jury that help or hurt his case and what's his status now? Is he still a cop? So there yeah, I'll around I'm, I'm sure there's I I wouldn't doubt if there's a brother up through this. Wait, you're breaking up breaking was, up just a little bit. You're breaking up just a little bit. Uh, yes, they're they're all still running around locking up brothers and, and, and even poor whites as well. And uh, I'm, I wouldn't doubt if there's a brother or two that's buried that, you know, no one just heard about the case because you know, they're able to write down whatever they like. Um, so in this instance, because they know the law, they know how they have to play it. So basically what you're asking about is this man, when he was giving me these commands while I was standing barefoot in front of him, he, would, he had one left hand over to his right-hand shoulder with the gun in his right hand pointed at me. But he was talking into his mic so there would be audio as if there was being some type of resistance because they're doing this all just for the audio. So when they play it, he would say, uh, Mr. Anthony, if you don't comply with uh, with me, I'm going to be forced to tell you. And then the second time, he was hiding his voice. And then the third time, he was hiding his voice. So it was all just the act, you know, because they know how they need to play the system and what they feel like they can uh, play. With that, I never had my true third day in court uh, because, again, I ended up, I think with my fifth lawyer, and uh, he was all about, uh, I don't know, some inside game, too. Um, and so my case has never really truly been hurt. 
<laughs> I just ha- I, I can't make uh, speak on it right now. But uh, yeah, we have some some people working on uh, making this a feature film. Uh, you know, because again, it's 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 incredible. You know, to be stripped naked and taste fifteen times, and uh, you know, this was the time when Trayvon Martin was killed uh, and a, a bunch of other young brothers. So this was 2013 on April 20th, and Trayvon Martin had been killed, and a couple other brothers had just been killed. And so for this to happen to me, I would be doing uh, actual uh, conferences and protests uh, at the courthouse, and all the news would show up, and I would be discussing and, and letting people know what happened. Well, the news channels would all come out and cover my case, and then they would uh, I would go home, you know, looking forward to seeing it on the news uh, so the city and the state would be aware, and they would never air it. So I was like, wow, what is this? And I would call the stations. I could never get any answers why they're not answering my, you know, they're not showing my story, but they're coming and covering me. So I threw another uh, press conference. All the news channels come out, and they, they cover me. And the next thing you know, uh, I go home, and they don't air it again. That's when I realized, you know, I actually had some inclination before, but that some word came from high above the powers where they said, we're not going to show our profits uh, a case because it's going to be civil unrest amongst the city, if not the state, just like it was protests and riots all over. So I was literally blacked out in my own state where I've brought, you know, Grammy nominations. I'm the youngest member on the board of chairman for Muhammad Ali. So when you go to the Muhammad Ali Center in Kentucky and Louisville, uh, you will see my my face, my picture next to uh, Will Smith, my picture next to Denzel Washington, my picture next to um, the Dalai Lama, my picture next to Muhammad Ali. So that's the type of things that, you know, I, I've been highly honored and revered in the state of Kentucky. And so when this happened to me, they blacked me out of the media in the whole state of Kentucky. That's why many people have never heard this. And that's why I have this book from Grams to Grammys on Amazon. That's another partial reason. At this time, what I'd like to do, 323646. 323646. which was the pits instead of directing me on the interstate. They do that sometimes. Anyway, the question I have, listening to what I heard, is why did they do this? What was the motive? That, what, what, is, what do you think their motive was? Well, uh, there were quite just outright racist white police that, didn't like a young black male that was successful. Uh, you know, we're known all across the state for doing so many great things. Uh, and, you know, in this particular part of Kentucky, a lot of blacks know that they shouldn't be riding, riding through there or, you know, be careful when you do because, uh, you know, the KKK is based in this particular area. So, you know, when you go in particular gas stations or particular places, you know, not to stay too long. So just straight up, just being white racist and, uh, I guess, jealous of my success. How did they know who you were? Uh, again, I let, uh, well, what I was told is, see, we were stopped at a roadblock, 
and other people were, they were asking people where they were coming from. And everybody was letting them know they were coming, uh, coming back from a Nappy Roots or Profit show. This was unbeknownst to me uh, because, you know, when you're just leaving, going home, you're not thinking about, you know, this and that. So um, I was able to acquire that because we actually came from some people and they were in front of us. And after the fact, they let us know that they were asking people, you know, uh, they had let them know that they were coming from our profit show. Well, let me ask so, you this. Why was your driver drinking before he got behind the wheel? See, that, that, you, you take yourself out of the protected category when you start doing wrong and things happen bad. And see, you're talking about racism and KKK and Kentucky. I drove through Kentucky lots of times 50 years ago when I was 20-ish. And I assure you, it's nowhere near as bad now as it used to be. But, I mean, why... Would they be mad at you? Uh, again, I can't. Well, I can't never. I can never. I never understand a racist maniac's mind as to why racists do what they do. Uh, you know, because they're very sick people, and so obviously we have them uh, in a police uh, in a police force. So when they pull me over as a passenger, I let them know. I let. I let them know that. You're going to have to give me some better explanation than that. I mean, racism. Oh, well, you asked me why. So I was letting you know. I I, I let them know that I was our prophet of the Nappy Roots. What What else was going on? And the other thing, too, did they have body cam or dash cam going on this whole thing? And you're telling me what they're reporting over the radio. Now, I have a speaking suspicion. I know what's going to be reported over the radio, but you say that. Now, question I have is if you've got all of these friends of yours pulled over in the roadblock right ahead of you, and you are behind them and people are behind you, why doesn't anybody record it? Or why would they be so bold as to take out the person that all of these witnesses have seen in a concert? See, that doesn't make sense to me. That is so stupid as to just be racist or otherwise. You know, that, that's bad. Yeah, that's bad. That that shows you just what, how what egregious. Did say, what are they saying you did uh, after the fact to justify what they did? This, please, I mean, this is something new to me, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so they said they said that I assaulted an officer, and so uh, it's in five years, and so they said I fought the officer. So it went to grand jury. And the grand jury found no true bill and found that I didn't indeed fight any officers at any time. So the felony was thrown out of court, and I was only left with misdemeanors, uh, uh, like uh, minute, public intoxication. What misdemeanors? Did you uh, public intoxication. Excuse me? I hope you didn't. From what you're telling me, I hope you didn't plead guilty to any misdemeanor. But what misdemeanors did they leave hanging up in the air? What, uh, what happened? Uh, public intoxication, um, and, and two or three other menial, I don't, I don't even remember, two or three other just, just dumb stuff that doesn't make sense. Uh, that, their justification, uh, woke was that I, I was fighting the officers, assaulting the officers, and the grand yeah, jury found no true bill. I know, but you pled guilty to public intoxication? No, I never had. I never. I never had my true day in court where my case was heard. They what ran something. Day in court. What happened on the thing? Did you enter a guilty plea? Is it still uh, pending? 
Did it get dismissed? They, Everything get dismissed? What happened? It was some technical, uh, on the day of court, it was some technical term they used. Uh, I'm not sure where the, the prosecutor and the lawyer, they went in the back room and no, they came no, out, no, and my no, lawyer uh, came uh, and told uh, me. Uh, 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 uh. If you're speaking to people on a stage, you need to be up on the game, and you need to be able to tell folks what happened to you. Now, if they jacked you up, tased you four times, from what I just got through listening no, to. No, no, they tased me a total of 15. They tased me 15 times. How many times? They tased me 15 times, sir. It's well documented. Times. Fifteen times. One five. Okay. Fifteen times is well documented. Okay. And what happened to the remaining charges? You're supposed to know that. You don't know? Call uh, your lawyer and find out what happened. So uh, again, this happened seven years ago, so I don't remember every time. exact term. What do you mean don't remember every exact term? You live in the United States of America. You drive on a highway. When you operate a motor vehicle, you know the rules of the road, know the rules of the game. Yeah, and so in that, you know, probably you may have never been tased 15 times and beat over the head. No, I, you I have, have a lapse of thought. Going, you you have I'm a lapse of thought way. sometimes. So that's why I'm saying at this I'm moment, not, I can't remember the exact term. Ah, uh, well, okay. But you were in court, so you don't remember what happened to you. I'm, I'm telling you that the exact term was called some type of executive uh, executive, uh, I'm not fully sure of the term, where it went up to the Supreme Court, and if they felt, I, I don't remember the term, so I can't I can't tell you exactly again, you know, uh, but I never had my true day in court where my case was explained at all, and they just did well, the misdemeanor. on appeal, or they, have they been dismissed? What happened? They've That's been dismissed. Dismissed? Yes. Okay, well, then you're proceeding with a civil suit, I take it. No, they said I had two or three years to file for the civil suit, and some some well, BS you, happened with that. Well, why haven't you retained counsel to file the civil suit? You've got the financial I did. all the Again, go after them. Uh, I, I retained over four or five lawyers over this process because they were all trying to railroad me to pleading guilty um, to the assault charges. Of course, they went away, but they still uh, – it was a big okay. old hoax. That's all I can tell you. A, a big game was ran on me. Everybody knows this particular area. Again, it's where the uh, KKK, uh, they all, you know, build up, and, you know, they're, they're known for being in this area. Um, I'm from the actual city, um, so I – I had came from out of town, so I wasn't thinking about it so much because I'm coming back from Florida, having some good times in Miami, and I think I'm just going to do my job and shoot in and shoot out. Uh, I wasn't thinking about really the, the, the stuff that, that gives Kentucky the stigma of how many racist people it is. So uh, with that being said, no, uh, I fully identified myself uh, when it came to, to the car, and that's when they said, uh, when I told them I was all property and happy roots, and they got me out the car. That's when the police officer said, oh, so you're the rapper everybody's talking about. When they, when they told me that, I already knew that it was going to be trouble. Um, thank you. All right. Um, very popular. Everybody wants to talk to you. Let me ask you uh, a question. Let me see. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> officer Travis, your mic Valerie. is live. 
Yes, sir. Valerie. We get some feedback. Yes, sir. You're live. Yes, sir. What is meant by grams to Grammys? Uh, what is meant Brian, by grams to Grammys? Would be for you. Yeah, that would be for you. Uh huh. Grams to Grams to Grammys. Grams is a reference to drugs. I was born in a city of Oakland, California, and so I began my book from Grams to Grammys, which you can get on Amazon, by talking about how cocaine hit the city of Oakland in particular, and uh, how drugs were all around my neighborhood, how I was brought up in a house where substance use was, uh, was prevalent. And so it shows how a person went from these type of circumstances in Oakland, California, all the way to, you know, overcoming a lot of obstacles, going to college, and makes, actually making it to the Grammys and being nominated for two. So that's a quick synopsis. Oh, I, I, I thought you might have meant it like Biggie Smalls used to talk about where he moved some grams in order to get the wherewithal to make his first cuts so he could make it into making grams. Yes, yes, yes. So I, I talk about how my, you know, the, my parents were raised with the Black Panthers uh, around and how it kind of empowered them to see the Black Panthers around and, you know, get the support from them and whatnot. Um, you know, so being from Oakland, you know, uh, I kind of grew up with a, a, a mind state where I speak up for myself. Uh, moving to Kentucky, it was a lot different uh, because you find yourself uh, with people who are a lot more passive because of the Jim Crow laws and things of that nature. But in Oakland, it's more revolutionary stuff and things of that nature. So uh, I think, you know, I embody some of those good qualities. Therefore, that's why I announced that, you know, I'm the youngest member on the board of chairman for Muhammad Ali Center. Uh, no, no other rapper. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm amongst on the Muhammad Ali Center wall. I'm amongst Denzel Washington, uh, Will Smith, the Dalai Lama, uh, 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 and people of that nature just to show uh, – you know, the people out there to know the type of character I am. I am well celebrated in Kentucky, so that's when uh, why I'm honored to be the young chairman of Muhammad Ali Center to continue his legacy uh, through my career, through my movies, uh, through my music. So uh, with that, you know, I, that usually, you know, says a lot uh, to people who really understands the legacy of Muhammad Ali uh, that they don't bestow a person that, that causes trouble with that type of honor. Interesting that you knew the Panthers. I recruited Bunchy Carter, John Huggins, uh, Geronimo Pratt, a.k.a. G, Lane Brown, Nat Clark, UCLA. We used to hang and talk a lot. Also, Shermont Banks, chairman of the party down in the L.A. area at first before Bunchy took over. I, I know some of the Panthers, yeah, and all of the mess that went on. Ron Karinga's US organization. Yeah, okay, so you got influenced by your parents' exposure to the party. That's good. Exactly. And so, you know, well, you know, of course we had limited time. I wasn't able to say you asked, you know, why you picked out. Well, uh, before I was even so-called before famous and Grammy nominated in this group, I had already won a, a Supreme Court lawsuit a million dollars prior to. When I won that million dollars for uh, 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 for the same similar reason, 
the lawyer told me and uh, to two other little guys, I would advise you guys to make your wills right now because people here around here in Kentucky don't like to see young black guys get this type of money. So this is, uh, you know, I've already been in newspapers uh, where I've been done wrong. So when you ask, I have a track record, and being that I am from Oakland and then became a celebrity, my name is our prophet. Uh, you got Black Panthers. You got COINTELPRO. You got me on the walls of Muhammad Ali Center. I'm not the average young black male that walks around in Kentucky or anywhere for that matter. So you have filed and recovered on a civil suit for a similar situation before. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. Awarded a million dollars in, uh, I think that was probably 2005. 2005. So this happened to you before. Oh, that's rough, man. No, I was not beat in that case. It was a discrimination case and, uh, that happened in wow. 1998, but they didn't award us the money until 2005 because they was running that whole Kentucky, oh, well, we don't want to reward this money on my terms. So they said some judge or something prolonged it another two years. But I didn't get paid until 2005. I only say that to say that I have a name uh, amongst you know, I've already been, my name is, I'm a pretty popular guy in Kentucky outside of many people. You know what I'm saying? Valerie. Hey, Valerie, is my mic still open? This is Philo the Great. Your, your mic is um, still open. Real quick, um, Philo, finish your, your thought, and then uh, um, Chairman Fred is on the line. I'm looking for him. I don't know which number he called in from, so I can't find him. And then I, I did want mm -hmm. to uh, give some final thoughts from Ali Ali. So um, okay. we'll do that while I am looking All to right. find where Chairman Fred is. All right, thank you. So all I wanted to say is this, our Prophet. You said that uh, discrimination case in 1998 wasn't awarded the money until 2005. Now, those people who probably sit on that police precinct, they know that. And when they found out who you was, like you said, you already have a name. You buzz and they blocked it out in the media, your face, your name, you have a mural in the Muhammad Ali Center. So all this stuff is known to the public. So when they got you and then made the statement, oh, you the rapper everybody been talking about. Not only that, but you already beat us for a million dollars uh, uh, and, and from 1998, and we awarded you in 2005. Now we finna beat you down in 2013. See, I, I, see, when you say that type stuff, I'm following you, bruh. And the judge even had to say, man, I, I'm sorry for that if it already happened, but like you said, it was discrimination. They didn't put their hands on you then, but they had to award you money, so they lost. So now they got a chance to beat you for they lost. That's what I'm going to say. Now, it, 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 it's an it's assumption, it's a speculation, but I'm going to say they beat you for the, what you did in 2005 and 2013. All right, yeah, thank I you appreciate for that. that. You know, again, I I can't say exactly why, other than I'm a big target, uh, and you know, you know, you you're looking at a guy that's, you know, Grammy nominated with with fifty thousand dollars worth of jewelry on. You had a roadblock, and people are in this small country town that had a good time. And here's the here's the good, uh, let's say, nigga that then brought all these people out. And so they did dehumanize me, humiliated me, stripped me naked, then handcuffed me, then tased me 15 times, tased me eight times, broke my nose, hog, got me hog tied in the, uh, the car, took me 
another place that hasn't been designated, takes me another seven times, which totals 15 times, then took me to the EMS, then took me to the hospital. The, they got me on a bed, and as you see me going through the corridor, if you Google our profit ambulance footage, I mean on YouTube, YouTube, R-P-R-O-P-H-E-T, ambulance footage, and you'll see me uh, in my boxers with no socks on, no shoes, all my knees is bloody, my head is lopsided, and the officer walking next to my uh, knee as they're pulling me in the bed, uh, still with the taser attached to me, still because I believe he didn't want me telling the doctors that what they just did to me. They, because they were uh, squeezing the taser gun anytime they felt like it. So if you look at that footage, you will see that I was naked. So then you would understand why would they strip this man? I was, I was, my feet and everything cut up. I have no pants on. I'm in my boxes. So anybody has to, anything to say to uh, 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 dispute what I'm saying, just look at the footage, footage yourself and ask why this man don't have no clothes on. That officially wraps Friday's promo. And if you would like to learn more, like to hear the full episode, there are two parts. One for everybody who's on Patreon.com. You will get the full episode. And the bonus feature featuring Fred Hampton, Chairman Fred Hampton Jr. If you'd like to hear that, so then please sign up. Sign up for the premium packages, all right? And that is at Patreon.com, Patreon.com com slash Valerie Denise Jones, patreon.com slash Valerie Denise Jones. I told you guys I do that for several reasons. One being that I'm tired of getting strikes on my platforms due to sensitive content and other. The other reason is I am a one woman show doing all of this on my own. Everything's coming out of my pocket. So all of your tithes and offerings are recycled back into the platform. So please, please, please consider supporting this channel. Please do so either via patreon.com slash Valerie Denise Jones or cash app, cash app, dollar sign, Valerie Denise, cash app, dollar sign, Valerie Denise, so that we can keep this platform live. Got some great shows coming up for you. Got David Banner. David Banner is going to be in the house on September the 25th. 
And also Matthew Knowles will be turning here very, very soon. And a few other big names. Um, and we love everybody. It doesn't always have to be a big name. Um, definitely not. Speaking of love, 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 love. Guys, as I mentioned earlier, I was out sick. I was sick on my birthday. What a bummer, right? But thank you, thank you for the blessings that came through via patreon.com. Thank you, thank you to all the Patreon members who wished me and my mom a happy, happy birthday. Also, thank you, thank you, Feel of the Great, for your beautiful birthday gift. And also, those of you who hit me up on Cash App, Darren Marion, Darren Marion, I appreciate you so much. Hurricane Report. Thank you. Thank you, girl. I love you to life. And Nelson L. No, Nathaniel L. Nelson. Yeah, big shout out to him for his birthday love. All right, guys, I hope that you guys have a great day. Please meet me down in the comment section if you'd like to chat with me. My voice is going out again, so that means I'm not 100% out of the woods. So guys, please keep me in your prayers. Uh, but yeah, meet me down in the comment section. I'd love to hear from you guys hear from you. And also please hit the like button, hit the like button, subscribe, tell a friend who will tell a friend about this platform. Again, we need your support. We love your support. We love you. All right. So I am out of here. I will see you on patreon.com slash Valerie Denise and or Instagram, Instagram at Valerie Denise Jones and also Miss MS Valerie Denise Jones. Bye. My name is R Prophet, R P R O P H E T, R P R O P H E T. Uh, you can check me out on Instagram, R Prophet Official, Twitter, R Prophet Official, uh, uh, Facebook, Ryan Prophet, and R Prophet as well. And uh, yes, the book is called From Grams to Grammys, Ryan Profit on Amazon or any platform you like. It's a number one new bestseller, and uh, I appreciate you guys for having me. Um, you can still fight with the campaign to save and maintain the Hampton House. GoFundMe.com forward slash save the Hampton House 50 and also cash app save the Hampton House, the house that Chairman Fred Hampton grew up in. We'll be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin tomorrow, just in case for Jacob Blake. In fact, I was listening to this just with Jacob Blake just for more. Again, appreciation. It's always an honor to be on the Judge Joe Brown Show. Did you enjoy this audio? We sure hope you did. Today's show is sponsored by My Olive Leaf. Please visit myoliveleaf.biz to shop for olive leaf extracts, which will assist your efforts to transform your life. Detox your body, increase your energy, get restful sleep, and rid your body of antiviral, antibacterial, and antifungal properties. Do not delay. Contact the MOL reps today. Please visit myoliveleaf.biz for their full line of olive leaf extracts and Moringa products. Oh yeah, for those of you who would like a personal consultation, please call the MOL reps at 612-567-3263. Also visit their website and social media pages for the latest on sales, new releases and more. The Hurricane Report. Write it, take action, maintain freedom. Buy their gear, mugs, hoodies, oh, leggings, they got all kind of stuff, right? The Hurricane Report.